Hello, MCU Exchange listeners. You know, last week I was listening to our podcast, and I realized that the cold open that I do, where I try to demonstrate a lot of excitement, uh, yeah, I just kind of sounded like Christian Bale Batman voice. So I didn't want to give you any Christian Bale Batman voice this week, so let's just say it's the MCU Exchange podcast, and it's a good show, and uh, you guys should listen to it. So here we go. Welcome back to the podcast. We have got Rhiannon and Adam with us, as per usual, and we are ready to get into our news, so let's go. Uh, the first thing I have is that we have a final trailer for The Defenders. Uh, this It's kind of weird. I don't feel like it's official, or at least the version I saw had like some seconds cut off the ends, which is kind of odd, but um, Rhiannon, I'm sure that you have spent much time with this trailer. What are your thoughts on the new trailer for Defenders? I think it's great. It's so lighthearted. I mean, all of the trailers seem to have shown us a lot of the guys interacting and, like, meeting each other and stuff like that. Um, And this one had a lot more of that. It had the really cool... So the ending part that was cut off... And that's... It's weird because some people can't find it on Netflix. Some people found it other places. Yeah, I believe we shared, like, a YouTube video from some third party originally this morning. And, um, but that last, the last little scene that was cut off is, like, you know, Daredevil throws his billy clubs and, you know, it has the the line on it and wraps it around Sawanda's neck. And, um, and for anybody that didn't notice, that character is one that we, like, months ago announced as Sawanda, S-O-W-A-N-D-E. Um, suspected to be a member of the chaste and um, but but the little part that was cut off of some versions was Danny being like that's pretty cool and Luke being like it's a little cool um, so it's just it's just neat to see them all interacting it had that fabulous moment of the Iron Fist meeting um, Electra's sword or katana whichever it is um, it just had a lot of really cool moments in it. I'm just all hyped. How about you guys? <laughs> no, that you you took my favorite part, the uh, whole Iron Fist thing. Um, uh, the uh, what part? I'm not sure if it's, I would guess, somewhere around this hallway fight scene we're doing, but the time uh, Danny was hiding behind Luke while everyone was shooting him, that was a, uh, that was a pretty cool Power Man Iron Fist moment. Yeah, I love that. The idea that like Luke is the defense and Danny is the offense. I thought that was so cool. I think one of the things that's taken me off guard, but I sh- I guess I should have known it, but um I wasn't even thinking about how much we would see supporting casts with main characters. Like I knew Daredevil would hang out with Luke, but I never thought of like, oh, what would a scene be like with Luke and Foggy or oh, what would it look like for Misty Knight and Colleen Wing to actually meet? You know, like we're going to get a ton of those opportunities and it's going to be cool to see those worlds mash together. And with this cast, like they're really not just mashing the heroes. They're just taking like the entire cast, the Trish Walkers and the Misty Knights and like all of those kinds of people are all going to be meeting each other. And I think that's really exciting. And that was in the clips that we got this week, which I'm a little sad. Like, I'm at the point almost that, like, I don't want to see any more clips. I don't want to see any more trailers. I want to be surprised. Um, because some of those clips, like, gave away moments that would have been really exciting if you saw them, if you didn't see them until the episode. Which one of them is in the first episode. So I've seen it, and I was just so excited over it. So I hate that you guys don't get that same moment. I'm excited too about kind of um, like combo moves. I really love one of the things I love about Avengers. I've loved it on Agents of Shield lately. When you see like two heroes like use their powers together, like when Thor smashes, you know, Cap's um, shield with his hammer or something like that, you know. And I feel like the the four of these characters like doing combo moves and like you talked about with Danny and and Luke Adam I I just that's kind of cool to me and I'm really excited I am worried that I'm seeing too many action beats but um it's really great and it's cool that I think there's more Iron Fist Fist in the three trailers that we've gotten than there were in the entire season of Iron Fist right 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's another thing. You know, especially it was this past trailer that came out. You know, it was it was there a lot. It seemed. Um, hopefully, they didn't show us every time he, <laughs> you know, controls his chi that way. But uh, yeah, I'm getting excited for it. Well, and you talk about those combo moves. The scene with the fist meeting the sword. I didn't even notice that that Matt Murdock is there underneath. Yeah. So he's reaching forward and she's, you know, reaching forward and then Matt and his little scarf mask thing is ducked down underneath it all. So there's some sort of combi- combination play happening there too. I think generally speaking too, you know, um I I've loved the way Danny moves in these trailers. It's been really exciting. It seems like the martial arts is going to be up a notch, so I think that's good too. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move on to a potential Phase 4 movie that we have on the horizon. Um, I don't know if this is huge news, but it's interesting. Uh, James Gunn was asked about if he'd be interested in doing a movie with Sylvester Stallone and sort of the original Guardians team that they introduced at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And Gunn said, yeah, it's something we've talked about, we're really excited about. And he kind of just admitted that it would be called Ravagers. That would be the name of the movie, Um, which I think is, I mean, it makes sense, but it's also kind of a big deal to get the name of a movie title that likely is coming. Uh, Adam, you're a big Guardians guy. Uh, Does this excite you? Do you want to see a Ravagers movie? Absolutely. Sign me up. I could have bought my ticket today (laughs) if it was a movie, you know. And that that whole interview kind of seemed... I don't know. James is, is is pretty good with answering his questions and stuff. And I mean, he flat out said that they there's always talks about it and stuff. And if you look at the uh, cast members um, they've brought in for those original Guardians, you know, it's they're they're a little too big just to have in just what was it three cameo type deals, you know, in Guardians too. So. I'm all for it. I'm not even sure if it needs to be a, a prequel of sorts. Um, I've seen some people posting and commenting that they'd like to see a, a prequel of sorts. But, I mean, even in the uh, Guardians 2 post credit scenes, you know, we see them getting the band back together. Um, so, yeah, I am all for it. James Gunn makes really fun movies. Whatever he comes up with, I'm interested in. I, I think um, it's interesting. We talked a little bit last week about the TV side. Um, spreading too thin. And I, I don't know. I don't want to be pessimistic, but I, I do worry a little bit. Like, it seems like Ravagers is quite the way down the pipeline as far as, like, properties for them to develop. Uh, but I guess we would have said that about Guardians in the first place. I, I don't know. I just... I, I think it would be great if they did it. Um, but I also... It's kind of weird to me if we see that movie before we see a Nova movie. You know what you're saying? Like, um, uh, I don't know. It just, it, that, that, that seems unusual to me, but whatever. So, yeah, I mean, well, Guardians 3 is probably going to be a lot of 2020 movie, right? So we're talking at earliest, maybe six, seven years out still for a Ravagers movie. So it is quite a ways out there. You know, I mean, Nova, we could be getting Nova sooner than we think. We got to be getting Nova at least in Guardians 3 at the latest. Hopefully. Yeah, we also may be seeing a place where if James Gunn really does start producing more of these cosmic movies, that we might get a cosmic movie every year. You know, they've teased, and we've talked on this podcast, they've teased that phase four might look really different than the other phases. And we've talked about how it'd be cool if part of that is that, like, the cosmic world kind of does its own phase while the Earth heroes do another phase. And maybe there's, like, a mystical phase, you know, like, that those are running concurrently. So yeah, it's 2020 for Guardians 3, but I think they could do Ravagers in 2021 and Nova in 2022, and like James Gunn produces a movie a year, like Feige does two or three movies a year, you know? I gotcha, yeah, that would work. All right, let's move on to Silver and Black. We got a release date. Uh, It is supposed to come out in February of 2019. And I guess the only, uh, first of all, Please do not send us comments going, guys, that's in the Sony MCU. Why are you talking about it on the podcast? Okay, every time we write an article about Silver and Black or Venom, somebody has to be that guy. We have clearly explained on the website in several places 
that James or that Kevin Feige, while being somewhat standoffish, there was a moment when Amy Pascal said these are all in the same world, and he said yes, that's right, they are. So we don't know what that means, but we're covering it. It's just the way things are gonna go. Uh, sorry, that was just an aside because it's getting kind of old every time we write about this stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, Silver and Black coming out in um, March of two or February of two thousand nineteen. I guess my biggest question with this is with Marvel producing Captain Marvel to come out a month later. Do you think Marvel Studios is kind of angry at Amy Pascal right now of sort of jumping the gun to be the first female-led superhero movie for Marvel? I mean, I I can't imagine them doing this and not being in discussions. I mean, Feige's somewhat involved in this, isn't he? But... Yeah, I I think Feige's just constantly irritated with Amy. Yeah, we should say we don't know the level. There are some of us that think that um, Gun, uh, that Kevin Feige is relatively involved in these, but that's not been confirmed. That's just a suspicion that some of us have. So, are we sure these movies are actually gonna happen the way we think they're gonna happen? Yeah, I mean, what? I don't know. It just seems off. You know, everything between. Silver and Black in this Venom movie it just seems off and not complete or weird or rushed or there's I don't even know how to explain it you know it, it just seems off um I mean all the the press around Spider-Man Homecoming and and Feige and Pascal doing their press tours and junkets you know it just seems there's got to be discussions of some sort um yeah, I mean, obviously, Feige probably doesn't control their release dates and such, but I don't know. I, I guess at this point, I don't know what to think about Venom and Silver and Black, in all honesty. Yeah, well, along that line, uh, we also are hearing that Riz Ahmed, in talks to be in the Venom movie, some people are thinking he may play Carnage. Uh, any thoughts on that casting? That'd be great. That'd be awesome. So I only know him from Rogue One. Uh, Adam, have you seen him in anything else? Like, what's I? I honestly don't know his background much except for his role in Rogue One, which I thought wasn't particularly interesting. So, nope. I yeah. <laughs> well, see, I thought he was one of my more favorite parts. I don't know. He's just that really quirky guy. But those are the type of movies I like. You know, obviously, Gardens is my <laughs> Guardians is my favorite movie. But yeah, that's really the only uh, flick I know. He, wasn't he the one that spent half the movie with his brain kind of scrambled? Kinda, yeah. I mean, he was the, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, I'm not even a Star Wars guy, the Imperial Defector or whatever. You want to call it the Empire. Right, right, yeah, right. It was, I would say, yeah, it was that, the first half was kind of slow moving and he had his brain scrambled or something. I'm probably going to have some Star Wars fans upset, but yeah. He wasn't all there for, for a part of the movie, at least. And to be fair to him... I didn't like that plot element, like, when they're like, oh, look, we have an alien that sucks onto your face and scrambles your brain. I was like, what? This is weird. Why are we doing this, you know? Yeah, it didn't really fit in. All right, we're going to talk just a minute about Inhumans. Um, If you did not see on the website this week, Adam and I did a series of editorials that I'm pretty happy with. Uh, Adam wrote one about why Inhumans needs a chance. Uh, I wrote one about why I thought uh, some of the criticism was fair, and then the last one was just about comic books and how some of the criticisms um, don't totally understand the comics and the source material. Um, We've gotten some pretty good feedback on them, so uh, we've tried to not just fall into the simplistic argument that's kind of gone on for the last couple months, so we we encourage you guys to read them. Um, It is interesting that the director of the IMAX material came out this week and said that he hated the first trailer as well which i find fascinating you know for people that are like oh you're just being unfair to the trailer well apparently the director didn't like it either um and i just thought that was you know kind of interesting going on um obviously reviews are kind of leaking out and there's still all this stuff going on and um so yeah we're getting closer and closer to it and it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out Either of you guys have any other thoughts on Inhumans uh, while we're talking about it real quick? Well, and evidently ABC did pull that pilot that some critics got to see. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes when they re-release it or, you know, what changes by the time the final version comes out. 
I'm really curious in that at this point, like the, the, you know, are they going to be making big changes? Are they even doing like reshoots or something? And what is the final product going to be? I'm so ready. And I know you said the tickets aren't available yet. Yeah. I went to pre-buy my tickets. Yeah. Cause for whatever we've said on this podcast, I'm going to be there on Thursday. I don't know if they'll open it on Thursday night, but I'm getting to it as quick as possible. Like I'm still seeing this early, as quick as I can. And yeah, I couldn't pre-buy tickets yet the other day. So that was kind of weird. Yeah, you know, there was that news. I'm not sure if we covered it last weekend or not about how the the IMAX release is considerably shorter than the actual episodes itself, too. And, you know, Rihanna did bring up a good point. You know, I mean, obviously, if they took down the screener, um, there's got to be some sort of changes going on. And I'm not sure if it's actually maybe they would go to the extent of reshoots. Um but yeah, I would guess they're probably changing something. God knows what, but probably something. Rhiannon, we kind of trust you to be our TV person. I don't know if you can answer this question. What did ABC have to gain by sharing with the press an unfinished... Because what I heard is that, like, that version didn't have finished music or finished special effects. There were obviously points where they were still working on it. Um, but they also didn't want it to be reviewed. It was just for like, quote unquote, informational purposes. Yeah. So I guess I'm kind of failing to understand what's ABC got to gain by doing that. Well, my guess is they put it out before the TCAs. And it was so that because they had a whole interview junket, a press junket that went along with the TCAs. And it was for interviewers to be able to come up with questions relevant to the show. You know how, like, you know, there'll be interview questions like, you know, your character appears to be very green. You know, what was that all about? Um, you know, I mean, but you can't watch it and not have opinions and not listen to your gut and, you know, make a decision on if you enjoyed it or not. So, obviously, and, and that's probably everybody at TCA's probably got that screener and they did watch it because they needed to have questions ready. And, you know, they went there with their opinions. And for anybody that hasn't noticed, like, at least Anson, absolutely nothing on his profile mentions in humans anymore. He's changed his profile picture on Twitter. He's changed his profile picture from Black Bolt. He's now just Anson Mount. Um, His bio doesn't have any mention of Inhumans anymore. He's distanced himself from the project. Yeah, I, I mean, I, so I don't think we covered this on the podcast. Um, I'm sure you've seen it on the website. Um, about the time we were recording last week, I think, is when the TCAs were going on, because I, I don't think we were able to talk about them because of the timing. And they were uncomfortable. I mean, Jeff Loeb got very defensive in his questions. It started to feel a little bit like a West ha- White House press <laughs> briefing, you know, like as far as like he was angry and kind of like avoiding the questions. And the worst is there's a picture of Sarinda Swan and Anson Mount and Jeff Loeb and a couple others, uh, maybe Ken Lung, with like a giant lockjaw from that TCA panel. Jeff Globe, Glo- Jeff Globe, Jeff Loeb looks miserable. Like this is an official photo that Marvel sent out on their Twitter and their Instagram, and he looks like his mom just died. Like he is not happy. And it's pretty clear that the cast is pretty hacked off about the way this has gone down. And as you said, like some of the stars have removed stuff from social media. And so this is not, I mean, we're not trying to be negative. We're not saying that means the show will be bad. I'm just saying that this situation has gotten pretty, you know, there's like some septic shock amongst the cast and crew as far as like, it's just gotten so negative that some of them, it feels like don't even want to have anything to do with it anymore, you know? Which is really interesting. If it rates well, you know, is Anson Mount coming back for a second season? Like, that's a very interesting question to me. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll rally behind it when there's something new to rally behind. Um, You know, like if the IMAX version comes out and there are better reviews that say that it looks really awesome in IMAX. There was even somebody at the TCAs that said this show definitely looks better on a big screen because they showed some footage there at the TCAs. And so, you know, 
yeah, if there's positive hype, actors want to work. They want they want that stuff out. So if it yeah. if it gets positive, they'll be back on board. Well, and they are going to be on board. I mean, contractually, they have to go pretend they're in love with this project or else they will not get to work on another project. You know, there's some politics to it all. Yeah. I mean, comparing this to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season, I mean, I, I can't even remember back to how that was reviewed. I can't. I mean, I would guess probably something like what we're seeing now, probably not the extent of the the harshness we're seeing on Twitter by, by some of the critics at the TCAs, for example. But, I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one wasn't, I mean, obviously it's not the best part of that series, you know. So, I mean, obviously, is it too early to talk, renewal talks? I mean, will Inhumans get at least a second season? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, I think, hey, if it does really well, if it makes lots of money, I mean, I think it could get renewed if IMAX makes the kind of money they want to make when they put money into this and they get a good return. I could see IMAX wanting to do the exact same thing next year when they have a hole in their schedule, you know? Uh, You know, money talks and ratings talk. And so... If people are watching the show and people are liking it, I mean, we saw this with Iron Fist. For all the critical, you know, stuff it got, we're hearing it was a really highly watched show on Netflix. There's the possibility it was more watched than at least Jessica Jones and maybe Luke Cage from some different, you know, the ratings are hard on Netflix. But we've heard some rumors that that might be true. And we have a second season of Iron Fist because lots of people watched it on Netflix. And I heard another podcast talk about this, like people who hate watch a show count just the same as people who love watch a show, you know? And so if people watch it, they're going to keep it going. So I do think the, um, the thing that was weird, you mentioned that running time, it just seems like this is a massive sell job. They're trying to do. You're already asking people to come into IMAX to watch a TV show. And then it's only going to be 75 minutes long. Now, I don't know, This maybe it's going to be cheaper, but, you know, here, IMAX is whatever, 15, 20 bucks a ticket. I'm going to pay it, but I don't know if the casual fan wants to pay 20 bucks to sit through a movie that's hardly an hour long, you know? I don't know, that, that surprised me a little bit that there wasn't going to be some more length to it. But. Well, and the cost was a question that came up at, at the TCA panel. One of, the guy, one of the people asked if it was going to be, like, full IMAX movie price, or if it was going to be discounted because it is so, so short. And Jeff Loeb did not have an answer for that. Yeah, it was almost like ABC's attitude was, we're the TV studio, that's not our job. You know, it was really weird to me that, that they felt like that was a weird question, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I would almost expect more footage. I would want more footage at IMAX. If I'm going to go out and pay for something that I could watch on TV later, I want to see more. Well, And what more is it? Like... Are we going to have an extra, like, conversation between two characters? Like, like to me, the thing that you would have more of is, like, more action, more set piece. And if that's the case, I want to see that on IMAX. I don't want to see it on a TV screen, right? Like, it just it seems odd. All right. Uh, moving along. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, is going to premiere, we're hearing now, right after Inhumans. And we've not gotten an official schedule on this, but now it's looking like we'll get maybe two to four episodes of this of in of agents of shield before the holidays. And then they'll finish it through after the holidays. Um, the schedule is kind of weird. Some of this is, we don't know if they'll double up, you know, if they'll have a double premiere or a double finale. Um, I'm still confused if Inhumans on the 29th is going to be just one episode on the 29th, or if they're going to show the two episodes that made up the IMAX on the 29th. But anyways, it looks like, Sometime in November, we're going to get Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, are you guys excited to have it back a little sooner? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Even though there is another ward attached. Yeah, that's right. What was that news we missed last week, Adam? Yes. Go ahead and share it with us since you're <laughs> so, so excited. Oh, no, so, some a- no, some actor. I don't even know his first name. I just know his last name's Ward. So probably won't watch those episodes. But <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, All right, we also saw, uh, this will be the last piece of news before we do some some quick news. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp photos are starting to leak out more and more. And the thing that I think we need to talk about is um, Evangeline Lilly's biceps. All right, if you have not seen this picture. (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> I've been trying to think of the tactful way to say this all week. So there are a lot of actresses that are in the MCU that play superheroes that are lovely, beautiful women that, you know, are very fit and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not sure. I could be wrong. I suspect that I could beat Scarlett Johansson in an arm wrestle, right? I don't think Evangeline Lilly would kick the crap out of me if we fought. She is so buff, you know? Like, I was amazed at these pictures at how much she's working out to be, like, physically strong for this movie. Yes. (laughs) All right. Awesome. (laughs) I feel like I thought that was really interesting. And you guys are like, yep, sure thing. No, you said you you said everything I wanted to say, man. She's built. But seriously, man, she could probably beat my ass too. Yeah. <laughs> if you met her in a dark alley, man, you'd be scared. She looks like she could kick some butt. Yeah. So, all right, let's do some uh, let's do some quick hit news. Uh, just a few other things that happened. If you're looking for uh, knowing more about the MCU, things I thought we'd talk about. I'll talk about these quickly, and you guys can comment at the end if there's anything that piques your interest. Uh, Avengers 4 is starting production. We saw a picture of a Russo brother wearing a glove. Um, so, yeah, it's filming. We, we, we knew that would be happening. It's exciting that it's going. Uh, Benjamin Bratt wants to return to Doctor Strange. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm not sure what role he'd play, but that's interesting. Uh, I mean, I know what role he would play, but I don't know what role his character would play in that movie. I was about to explain uh, Lady- that to you. <laughs> yeah. Like, see, he was this guy in the first movie. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Lady Sif is looking like she'll be back for Thor Ragnarok. Uh, some TV show was uh, billing her as Thor Ragnarok's, um, well, whatever the actress's name is, I forget. But anyways, so it looks like she'll be in that movie. And there was also some talks of Agent 13 appearing on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Apparently she couldn't do it because she was on Revenge, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because once she was off Revenge, why didn't they do it? But anyway. Um, so yeah, those are the other news things this week. Any of that catch anybody's interest? Well, I'm really shocked that they got Jamie Alexander in Thor Ragnarok. That's the name of the actress that you were trying to get. Um, I mean, cause she's like the star of a network TV show. So that's, you know, blind spot. That's like 23 episodes a year. So I know when they were filming Ragnarok, we were kind of like, it's very unlikely that she'll be there. So I'm glad they were able to fit it in. Particularly cause they filmed in Australia. Yeah. So it wasn't like just a cross-country flight or whatever. Right. I'm still a little dubious on that news. I'm worried that there's a TV producer who's like, oh, she's in Thor, this new Thor movie, you know, and didn't actually check to see if she was in it, but we'll mm-hmm. see. Well, and, and maybe they were able to film something on green screen in Atlanta or something like that without her having to go to Australia. All right. I think that uh, does it for the news. We will now uh, launch into all summer long. We've been counting down the TV seasons. Uh, our favorite uh, ranking our favorite seasons from number 11 to number one. And at long last, we are here. The favorite MCU TV season uh, for our podcast is not much of a surprise. Daredevil season one uh, came out on top in our rankings. Rhiannon, go ahead and start us off and just tell us how many ways you love Daredevil season one. Well, I mean, Obviously, it set the whole tone for the Netflix MCU, but it also um, gave us some really complex characters that I don't think everybody expected. You know, I think Wesley came out to be a big surprise and Karen's spunk with Wesley and her spunk in general. Them killing Ben Yurick caught everybody off guard. Um, I, I think, and it was just so well-crafted, you know, of all the seasons, you don't hear anybody talking about the pacing in Daredevil season one. You don't have that issue in episodes eight, eight or nine, where it sort of drags along and has filler. You, I mean, the worst complaint I've ever heard about it is that Foggy is really obnoxious in episode 10, but it's just so solid. And it just created this whole world. Um, You know, just like I think most of us ranked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one pretty high. You know, the the beginning gives us the nice solid foundation. And 
it was just so perfect. And I think everybody was sort of scared that it wouldn't be. I know up until when I watched that first episode, I was worried that everything down to Charlie Cox having too much of an English accent. Um, and it was just really well done. Do you guys have more coherent thoughts? Wilson Fisk. Yes. Heck yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, that that's actually a large part. I'm pretty sure I ranked this number one on my list. I think all, we all did. Um, but no, D'Onofrio, man, he just, it was, it was a nice, fresh take on the character, you know. I mean, in the comics, they always draw him so comically large and and huge and all that stuff but um i mean he's still a big guy in the show but he's not you know he's still human and and that's the thing it's almost as he's this nice polite unhinged crime boss you know i think a part of him wants you know intends well you know he wants to see hell's kitchen do better but then he's also a major criminal that decapitates Russians with his car door, you know, um, damn, that was good, and, you know, it, it did suck seeing Ben Yurt get killed, um, and Foggy was annoying at various parts, but man, it was a really, really solid season, and of course it, it introduced us to a whole new corner of the MCU, so kudos. So, Rhiannon, you mentioned that the nobody complains about pacing on the first season. Um, I would say I think we give this show a little more slack because it was the first one. And stuff that bothers us, like, say, an Iron Fist, doesn't bother us in Daredevil because it was the first one. On my rewatch this summer, I forget, it's like episode four or episode five. There's like a 20-minute sequence where it's like Matt and Foggy trying to figure out like some weird legal loophole for a trial they're doing followed by Karen getting her uh, non-disclosure agreement like spelled out to her in a legal office followed to Ben Urich fighting with the hospital about his wife's medical benefits and it's like it was amazing because it was like three scenes strung together that was incredibly boring and I was like, we have been spoiled that like this used to just be normal. If this had come out as part of Iron Fist, people were like, oh, it's 20 minutes of legal mumbo jumbo. And so I think it's really interesting how that's kind of the expectations have been reset, you know? That's true. I mean, like on my rewatches, I do end up fast forwarding through a lot of Ben and the hospital stuff. You know, the 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 deal with him and his wife in the hospital and I find myself fast-forwarding through a little bit of, like, Karen's stuff going on. So I guess it's not perfect. Yeah, and I didn't mean that at all to say I didn't, you know, obviously is my favorite of these as well. It's just, uh, I think there is a sliding scale, you know, because it is the first one sometimes. I feel that way about Iron Man, too. I know it's not popular, but I don't think Iron Man is nearly as good as people think it is. It was just the first one, but... Um, I do think that part of the reason the show did so well was because they really understood the character well and they wrote it well. Um, there are so many things about Daredevil that they just hit spot on. Um, I love the talks that he has with his priest and sort of that Catholicism angle that would have been kind of easy to shortchange or to do kind of cheaply, that they put a lot of time and energy and I think research into doing well. Um, I think there's just a lot of stuff about. Uh, him as a lawyer that they kind of put in there perfectly. Like this character to me has always been great because the vigilante and the lawyer and the Catholic, those three elements are kind of at war with each other. You know, like what is just and what is righteous and what is feels like the right thing to do is always at war in Matt's head. And I love that they did all that. And they just, I just feel like the, the writers did a lot of work to know this character well. There's been other properties where we sometimes feel like, I don't know if they get this character, or even characters that do well, like James Gunn with Guardians did a great job, but he didn't really give us necessarily the same Guardians that were in the comics. But I feel like Daredevil, 
they gave us, it may be the most faithful version of hardly any of these heroes that I feel like this mat is the mat I've always read in comic books. And I love that part of it, you know. Are you excited that we'll maybe see Fisk come back in sort of a born-again kind of situation? Like, are you getting excited about the idea of maybe Fisk destroying Matt's life, Rhiannon? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I, like, at midnight last night, I couldn't sleep, and I was reading, I pulled up Marvel Unlimited and was reading, like, the Murdoch papers, which they've set up so much as well. Where Fisk, like, you know, has been keeping documentation on Matt Murdock for years and turns it over to the FBI. And uh, I love Born Again. I want, I want, yes, I want them to be building up to Fisk just ruining Matt's life. Ruin it. Nah, man, Born Again's arguably one of the best story arcs in all of comics. So to see it on Netflix, which we'll be seeing before too long, um, it's going to be crazy. Just that there's like that one uh, part where Fisk is like bench pressing or whatever, and he's he's not in like a sumo suit, but he's in like this weird short short type deal, and he has like this huge fight with Matt and kicks the crap out of Matt. It's it would be insane to see. Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm really excited to see Bullseye. At this point, I feel like they built up the mythology enough that it's time for Bullseye. It's time for Karen to really go off the rails too. You know, like, it, it just feels like they've set everything up to where it needs to be, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, the, see, and that's the other thing. I think we've talked about this before, I mean, but Ben Yurik's, like, a huge part of that, so I would guess, I don't even know his name, the editor or whatever, would probably take his role. Um, but, I mean, that's probably the only link they don't have in place for a, a born-again type setting. But I do like the idea of, like, he's outed and Karen is the one instead of Spider-Man that's like, no, that's not Daredevil because I know who Daredevil really is. And then won't reveal it and stuff. And Allison gets all mad at her. Yeah. I could also, this, this may be, there's been periods in the comics where Iron Fist has wore the Daredevil costume. Yeah. Because it was, like, advantageous. <laughs> could you see Danny... What running around in the Daredevil costume and standing next to Matt to be able to be like, nope, see, different guy. <laughs> yes. Yes, I want to see that. Definitely. All right. Let's, uh, we'll move on to our main conversation. And we wanted to start kind of talking about uh, the Netflix deal. If you guys did not see this week, um, Marvel, not Marvel, Disney has ended uh, their Netflix contract uh, with. Well, their contract with Netflix. The idea is that um, right now Disney movies, including Lucasfilm and Marvel, uh, immediately go to Netflix instead of going to Showtime or HBO or whatever. Um, this will end after the 2019 release releases. Um, and originally it was said that that's happening because Disney wants to start their own streaming service. But then within a day or two, it became pretty clear that that streaming service was going to be a little more kid-focused and would have Pixar and would have Disney movies, but that there's a lot of talk. That apparently, Netflix is still negotiating the possibility that the Lucasfilm and Marvel stuff will continue to go to Netflix. Um, but it just brought up lots of questions about kind of the future of the MCU and where this stuff is carried and all that kind of stuff. Um, it is not going to affect the Netflix shows as far as we can tell. It looks like those are going to stay put. Um, so, I mean, for you guys, is this a big deal that Netflix has Marvel movies or is it just kind of an additional kind of nice add on to be able to watch it on that service? I love it. I, I love being able to find them all or I loved the idea of in the future being able to find them all in one place. I already hate it that it's like when I want to go back and watch something, I have to figure out what streaming service and you know, is it even streamable right now? You know, so I was really, really loving the Netflix deal. So I hope it stays in place for the Marvel films. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I've watched um MCU movie on Netflix. I think I watched a little bit of Doctor Strange just because I saw it was on there, you know. So, I mean, for me personally, I mean, the only thing this would ever affect... um obviously would be the Netflix shows, but from what I understand, they're keeping them on Netflix the way it is. Um, 
obviously, I mean, you always see these charts on how to watch the MCU and things like that. And if, I mean, everything, I mean, even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s on Netflix. So having everything on that one spot, it's, I mean, ease of use, you know. But obviously Disney's seeing that and Disney's seeing well, hell, why don't we make our own service and put everything on there that way people are paying us. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we'll all sign up for whatever Disney puts out anyways. Um, but yeah, it does kind of put a, a damper on having everything in one spot. Yeah, I think the thing for me is like I have this existential crisis now every time a Marvel movie comes out in, in digital or Blu-ray. Because I'm like, oh, that's going to be uh, available for free on Netflix if I can just wait another four months. But man, four months is a really long time. I really want to watch it now. And then I'm like, well, I'll just rent it. But then if I rent if I put five bucks towards renting it, I might as well put 15 or 20 bucks towards owning it. And then I get the special features. And so like since this deal... Um, Civil War, I rented like two or three times before it got on Netflix. I bought Doctor Strange. And so I don't think the Netflix ever helps me because I'm never patient enough for it to come out on that form before I purchase it somewhere else, you know? Uh, I also like to buy the um, the DVD sets that they do for the phases. And so, uh, you know, like phase two, I already have all on digital because I bought the the set for that, so... Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't know if it's a big deal for me because of all those reasons. But uh, as a fan, does it ever start to frustrate you how expensive it's getting to watch the MCU? Like we might be in a place here if some of those things were to move to this Disney service, where you're paying to go see the movies. Now the TV shows are doing IMAX releases. You're having to pay for Netflix. You're going to, have to pay for Hulu if you want Runaways. Uh, heaven knows how we're going to see these freeform shows. I don't have cable of freeform because um, we cut the cut plug a while ago. Cut the plug. Cut the cord <laughs> a while ago, you know. Yeah. Like, um, is this getting just to be too much or is that not the way to think about this, you know? Well, see, you, you brought up a good point and that's kind of what I've brought up with a couple of friends on Facebook. You know, I mean, Netflix is so attractive because for what is it? I think it's they increased it to like 11 or 12 bucks a month. You know, but all these different streaming services add up. You know, it it was attractive at first because it was so much more affordable than cable. You know, but if you have Netflix and you have Hulu and if you have Amazon Video, which comes with Amazon Prime, you know, there's 30, 35 bucks a month there. I mean, I think I subscribed uh, three or four more things. I think I have the stars app which is also 10 bucks um comic con hq and things like that so uh, a lot of people get hbo for game of yeah, thrones yeah. and westworld and all See, that stuff. Too. so there, there's all that stuff i mean with all the apps we just listed there i mean that's we're talking 70 80 bucks a month which is just as much as cable is you know obviously you'd have to add on for hbo and stars and all that stuff um but see i just i mean I, I guess I'm just trying to be fair because um, I'm going to buy whatever they put out. An example, I pre-ordered the Guardians 2 uh, Special Edition Steelbook from uh, Best Buy. They always have these amazing Blu-ray Steelbooks. Um, I pre-ordered that, but then I totally forgot that it came out on digital. And of course, I couldn't wait the two weeks to uh, <laughs> two weeks for the Blu-ray to come in, so I bought it on digital regardless, even though the Steelbook... Uh, comes with a digital download so that's who i am so i'm going to uh, probably end up wasting my money on whatever they put forth but you know it does i mean even if if disney i mean disney on their call uh, did mention doing separate marvel and star wars streaming services you know i mean all these all these add up you know and obviously not everyone's going to want everything uh but at the same time i mean netflix keeps pushing out incredible original content and and those marvel shows will probably stay there so netflix and then hulu has runaways you know so it's just kind of a, uh you know i think they know people are gonna buy it you know and that's the the whole imax release case in point it's pretty much the same like it just all adds up so much 
I, I, I've been trying the whole, you know, I only do stars for those months when Outlander's on it. And then, you know, I'll only do, I feel like I should have canceled Hulu for the summer. Um, I always have my Netflix because at this point I've shared my account with my parents and they watch it all the time too. So I feel like I'm getting my money's worth out of Netflix. Um, but for me, I mean, for those that don't know, I pretty much travel all the time. So I'm in hotels and everything. So I'm not even paying a home cable subscription. So I'm still coming out pretty good just on my... And I do a lot of subscriptions because I also, I don't have, you know, a DVR. So if I want to watch, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I can't stay up till 10 o'clock. I needed Hulu so that I could see it the next day or something. Um, I, I, I... I still think I'm coming out ahead from when I was paying for full cable with a, you know, DVR and all of that. Um, I still have to play some games and stuff. You know, if I miss live Game of Thrones, like we're recording right now in the middle of, um, you know, I have to find a way to watch it otherwise. Um, but I, I, I'm still happy with the subscription services. Now, if Disney started cranking it out to where you need this one to watch Marvel and this one to do this and this one to do this, then that's just getting ridiculous. Yeah. If there's one Disney subscription service, I want to pay that one Disney subscription service. I don't want to have to pay five bucks for Marvel, five bucks for Lucas and another five bucks to see DuckTales. I, yeah, I'm excited about the new DuckTales show, actually. I was, the other day we pulled up yeah. our Disney XD app, and I was like, what? There's no DuckTales episodes? What's going on? So, Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what's really interesting to me is if these networks are really going to play chicken with this. Um, when Legion first came out, and I don't know if this was right, but I had at least heard that like the first episode was going to be on Hulu and then they were going to require you to buy the 4.99 or whatever for the FX app subscription if you wanted to see Legion. And there was like a whole bunch of people that were like, "Oh, we hate you FX. We want to see this show. Don't do this to us." blah 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 blah. And like the next thing I knew those episodes were coming out. I think they delayed it like 3 or 4 days or something like that, but it was still all there on FX. And I think that there is a reality here that maybe Disney can get away with it, but some of these other, you know, particularly when it comes to an FX app or a Disney XD app or whatever, that people are not, you know, HBO maybe can get away with that, but FX can't. And people are just going to fuss at them and be upset with them, and they're just going to lose audience by doing that. And so it'll be interesting to me if, you know, if Disney did this, you know, how much public complaint are they willing to take before they would kind of start to show these things other places as well? Particularly since Hulu, they partly own, you know. But also they produce so much stuff that they, you know, there's money in it. You know, like on the Netflix shows, Netflix is paying for some of the production, you know. So does Disney want to foot the bill for all of this stuff without those partnerships? Yeah, and I think that's that's something that's uh, we've kind of sometimes gets missed in this conversation. Uh, you know, we talked about how the Sony deal is kind of good for Marvel Studios because it allows them to continue their brand without having to put out the money for another movie every two years. And so it's the same way with this Netflix stuff. Netflix is paying for something that in the end benefits Marvel a whole lot more than it benefits Netflix. In as much as you can sell Daredevil toys and that goes to Marvel and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's that's totally true. Um, you know, it looks like that none of those Netflix shows would move. Uh, if they were to move to a Disney service, Rhiannon, do you just wake up in cold sweats worried that uh, someone someday is going to ruin the tone of these Netflix shows and Disney-fy them? Um, I don't think they would move. I mean, for one, just for the reasons that we just talked about with Netflix being an investor in it and being being a big part of them even happening. Um, but no, I feel like Disney is smart enough that they could move them and they could keep the tone if they decide, you know, it's not like they would if they were if they had, say, been halfway through producing Daredevil season one 
and then said, oh, we're going to do this on an eight, a Disney network instead of on Netflix, then I would have been worried. Um, but now that they're all in and the tone is established, I Disney would know what they were buying or, you know, not necessarily know what they're buying, but know what they're bringing over. You know, it's a known tone and everything. You know, you don't bring Punisher over and expect him to be a kid's show. You would you would know what it is. It's interesting as we expand to all these new places. You know, there's ABC with shows. There's Freeform getting shows. Hulu's getting a show. You know, we talked a little bit about this with Runaways last week. That the, um, the connectedness of this... You know, we've talked about the film and TV divide... And how that kind of exists. And then we've talked somewhat about um, how Runaways kind of feels a little more separate than the other stuff. And how the Netflix stuff can feel like its own little separate universe that's not connected to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or not connected to the movies. I mean, it strikes me that this is a necessary part of this. That as they go to more streaming services and more people who are paying for the bill to make these shows you necessarily are going to see a strain of the fabric of this thing to where it's very, it's just more diverse, right? There's just more cooks in the kitchen. Um, I mean, do I have that right? Or do you think we can still keep the same kind of connectedness, even if we're involving, you know, four networks at the same time? I feel like the connectedness is already lost and they're finding ways to, they're finding ways to make it make sense that they're not connected, but I feel that we're already there. Yeah, he, she she said the same exact phrase I was going to say. Uh, you know, I think it's already gone. Um, you know, and like Runaways, you know, I, I'm sure they'll leave maybe some open-ends or, or some, you know, plot points or, or characters where they can point back and, you know, a season or two and say, hey, see, it is all connected. You know, Runaways is part of the MCU. But if Runaways doesn't do well or if they, the powers that be decide Runaways needs to be its own separate thing, you know, I think, I mean, that's why it's on Hulu. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not, well, like you said, <laughs> Like you said last week, it's all something, or, or it's always something, or, or would you, whatever you said, Feige said, you know. So, yeah, I mean, instead of it's all connected, it's all something. It's all something, yeah. So, I mean, I think we're at the point now where they keep, um, I mean, they're not shoving the it's, it's all connected down our throats anymore, you know, and I think that's for a good reason. Obviously, we might see crossovers on the abc shows maybe we'll see crossovers between cloak and dagger and new warriors you know maybe um runaways will eventually get a, a partner show over on hulu um obviously we're getting the crossover uh, on netflix now you know but they are setting up their own distinct universes um sub universes or whatever you want to call it you know so i yeah i wish it was more connected you know it'd be awesome seeing um. Obviously, Danny Rand punched Thanos in the throat. Um, but we're not at that point quite yet, you know. Yeah, with this, um, I want to continue this a little more. Like, um, we've been talking a lot about Inhumans, and one of the things that I wrote up this week was just kind of complaining that Feige kind of abandoned Inhumans, and there was some comments on there that said, "Oh, people make too much of this TV movie divide." They don't really dislike each other that much. And, you know, Kevin Feige is still a producer on Inhumans. Somebody said, um, I don't believe that's accurate. I've tried to look this up. Kevin Feige is not a producer on these TV shows, uh, to my knowledge. Uh, and anywhere that I can, I can find online. IMDB is listing him as a producer on Inhumans. And also as a producer on two episodes of Runaways, which makes no sense. I don't think you can be a producer on episodes of a show you're a producer on the show you know um i don't know do you think that this this movie tv divide thing is real or do you think that um us fake journalists are making too much of this stuff i think that feige and Loeb are just so incredibly busy that there's a divide but i don't think there's animosity i think it's just that they are both incredibly absorbed in what they are creating yeah, I mean, 
I think we were talking about this at one point again too, but the actual business setups, you know, they're not, I mean, TV's not part of Marvel Studios, right? They're actually, one reports to Disney and one reports to some higher, I don't, I don't know. You know, the way I see it, I mean, it's probably the type of deal where where Kev decides what he's going to do um, and maybe he has one of his assistants tell TV what Studios is doing and then TV does what they can to tie into the movies. Um, I'm not sure if there's an active standing meeting every Monday afternoon where Kevin and Jeff hop on a phone and and hash out what the overall plans are for the MCU, you know? Yeah, I saw a really weird quote doing some research for the Inhuman stuff this week, where at one point Feige said something like, yeah, I think we'll still get an Inhumans movie. I mean, I think they're doing it on TV right now, but I think we'll see a movie someday. And it was like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, like, and it was really interesting to hear him say, I think they're doing it on the TV side. He's either playing coy or, as, as Rhiannon said, he's really so busy, he does not know what they're producing at Marvel TV. You know, like, at some point he signed off that if they wanted to do something, he'd be okay with it. But, like, I really just think he is so... I mean, he should be that busy. He's producing three films a year. Loeb is producing 14 television shows right now. Like, they're just really busy. And I don't think... I I really don't think Kevin Feige has any idea what's happening on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We read... I saw another interview where he just said he does not watch it. Because, how could he? You know? And so... I think in all that those ways, like this is a real divide and it should not surprise us that these things are so separate, you know? All right, let's get into our mailbag now. And I've uh, just got a few comments here from some various places that we'll run through real quick. Uh, from the website, uh, Love Waffle talked about how we get good and Jeff, uh, good and bad Jeff Loeb sometimes and that his good stuff's really good and his bad stuff is not so good. Um, a couple people, Chris Vandermeer, Simon Shepard gave us some great Captain Marvel background. Um, we did not know as much about that character last week as we usually do. So we appreciate you guys sharing some good thoughts in the comments. Uh, Matthew Glover was saying that he'd love to see a movie that would be like a secret Avengers movie where Cap had to form a new Avengers team and picked up Quake and Daredevil and all these TV characters in the movie. I think that would be cool as well. Um... There was, uh, did we talk about Everybody Loves Raymond last week on the show? Um, I don't think so. Because there was just a random comment on the website. A guy named Philip Wilson was like, well, I like Everybody Loves Raymond, so you don't have any taste, LOL. And I was like, do we talk about Raymond? I don't remember this. <laughs> Maybe we did. I don't know, man. Maybe we did. For the record, I think Everybody Loves Raymond is a fine sitcom. I mean, it's it's not great. It's not terrible. But... Anyways, I think I, I just said that something was about like it being on for ten years or something like that. Maybe I didn't mean anything foul. If I did, <laughs> I, I, I just love that there's somebody who's listening to our podcast that's like, I need to stand up for Ray Romano. He just never gets a fair <laughs> shake in life. Um, uh, Randy on Twitter um, had mentioned, and this kind of applies to our conversation we just got done with, that we should probably be more cautious when uh, overworked and over-interviewed execs say stuff uh, like Amy Pascal or Kevin Feige that, you know, we're kind of looking for edicts about like the nature of the MCU reality and these contracts. And sometimes they're just really exhausted and they answer a question and they're just tired. And so we probably shouldn't take so much uh, from everything they say. And uh, Jackhammer was just saying that he thinks Scott Buck is a bad fit for Inhumans. And I think a lot of people agree with him. <gasps> Say it isn't so. On point. Um, I think that does it for the mailbag. Um, and so we can sign off the show. Guys, go ahead and tell people where they can find you online. And um, we'll be done. You can find me on the Twitter as Shot of Patron. And if you're trying to place me on the writing, my writings on the MCU Exchange are as Brooklyn Wallace. There haven't been any recently, but there will be next week. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter at Adam Barnhart, B-A-R-N-H-A-R-D-T. And yeah, go read uh, Caleb and I's little back and forth on Inhumans this week. It was a little bit entertaining. I think it was fair enough, right? 
Yeah, the piece I did on comics is the best received piece I've ever done. Like, the comments were all like, yeah, we really love this, man. Thanks. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> it's kind of expected to, for people to be angry about it. So uh, I'm on Twitter as at Caleb A. Borchers, C-A-L-E-B-A-B-O-R-C-H-E-R-S. And you can follow me there. Um, do you guys know what our topic is next week? <gasps> yes. I forgot. Yeah. What is it? Yes. <laughs> We're going to review Defenders next week, man. Oh yeah, that comes out. So I will be, I'll probably be exhausted. I can't watch it when my children are awake. So my wife and I have a wedding next week. And so, yeah, we'll definitely be uh, staying up till two in the morning. I think to get that knocked out by Sunday, but nice. uh, definitely looking forward to it. Defenders next week. Um, thank you guys for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. If you would like to uh, continue to help our show be a show, uh, go ahead and give us likes on Facebook or on SoundCloud. You can leave comments on SoundCloud on the website, Facebook, or at MCUXPod hashtag. That's hashtag MCUEXPOD. Uh, you can also go to iTunes and leave us some five star reviews. Uh, we have a couple of new ones. I'll read them next week. Uh, we had some people leave us some awesome reviews on iTunes. They're very kind. And we appreciate that. That's a way that you can help other people hear us. Obviously, listen each week, subscribe, download, and tell your friends about it. Uh, I think that'll do it for this week. Uh, We will be back with you next week with our Defenders review. And so we're super excited about that. We'll see you guys then.